Welcome back to another fun-filled episode over here at Interior Analysis. I'm David Jones. I'm Evan Westman. I'm Jelani Kelly. And today we're gonna be going through everyone's favorite movie from 2019, Parasite. Ah, <laughs> We've never cheered a movie at the beginning, so I, I guess that means something. Yes. Love that for us. This was the, the generation of film that came out right before COVID, so oh. it's really special. Mm. I guess we'll just start where we always start. First impressions. Jelani, oh, hit me with it. God. Okay. It checked off your main box, which is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's his main box. That's totally his main it box. It totally is. Uh, I, all right. I don't care that Mr. Park died, but the little sister. I don't like. They were all like bad people. I don't think any of them deserved to die, but like the sister, like I felt bad when she died, and then like the mom was crying and. He was laughing because he he turned into the Joker by the end of the movie. I did enjoy the film. I I was checking the time because I I watched I started watching this at like eleven o'clock at night. It was a two hour movie and I had to get up the next day, but I finished it because I couldn't find a good point to stop because I found it that engaging. Even like the slow moments with like the dinner scene, they were all drunk in the living room. That scene, I felt it carrying on long, but I didn't care. My God, the shots in this movie, astounding. Every shot felt so meticulously purposeful, especially when uh, my favorites were whenever they were moving place to place because there was, it looked like art, really, like paintings. You could see like the, the lines and the, and the structure of, of all the buildings and the staircases and it was so cool. I enjoyed the camaraderie of the family, even though they were all pretty they were parasitic i enjoyed the family members as characters and then like when i first started this movie i didn't know what i was in for i think i knew it was a drama and that was it i didn't know where we were going and then once we got to the sister being hired i was like oh he trying to get the whole family to eat i got it and then that twist and then the guy coming out and just murdering everybody because he was insane uh, man, somebody interject here because I'd probably just keep going in circles and ranting. It, I, I like. No, it. I agree. I'm curious. So, is this your first ever time watching the movie? Yes, it is. And okay. I'm really okay. glad okay. you no, liked totally it. Totally get that because, like, yeah. I was, I was hoping it would be like a whiplash where it's not something that's traditionally in that's like, exactly wheelhouse. But yeah, I, I liked Whiplash more, but that's because yeah. of J.K. Simmons. But yes, I did enjoy this. Not my wheelhouse. But I, I definitely watched this movie again. I I probably skipped the end. I don't want to see the sister die again. I felt so bad. This was like, bro, I don't even think she. They like interacted, but you stabbed her, and, and she bled out. Like, come on. The first time I saw it, I was equally overwhelmed because, honestly, I had saw nineteen seventeen in theaters earlier that year, and I was so sold. Like, I was like, yeah, I would have bet money nineteen seventeen was winning best picture i was like oh yeah nothing competes nothing it is 1917 and then everyone starts talking about parasite 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 and then it killed at the oscars and then i watched it and i understood why it got the reaction it got and the first time you see it it is so overwhelming 
because it is so meticulous and so much is going on. Yeah. Evan has something in his notes and we'll get to it later in the episode, but I agree. This movie has that perfect balance of art and entertainment, like all the best movies do. And it works really well. But what did you think of him? What were your first, or I guess not first impressions, because this isn't your first time seeing it, but your impressions going around this time watching it? Yeah, well, I'll I'll start with how I first saw it. Um, I did see it in theaters. I was living in L.A. at the time for my internship, and the theater near me re-released all of the Best Picture nominees for that year. That was the only year I've actually seen every Best Picture nominee and I did happen to get to all of them before the awards came out. So I had seen all nine of them. I was working at my internship when the Oscars were going. And, and everyone there when Parasite got announced was like pumped. Because, and I wasn't like, I don't think it would have been my absolute top. I, I think I, that year I guessed in whatever like bet I had going for the Oscars. I think 1917 was the one that I bet on. But I was excited for it. It might be my favorite of those nominations. Knives Out is my favorite movie of 2019. But I think Parasite is a close second. But yeah, there was there was a lot of hype around it. I remember before I saw it. Because it was, it was pretty late in the hype that I saw it. But I think I'm not quite as into it as a lot of people. I checked Letterboxd and all the people I follow on Letterboxd have a higher rating of it than me. I gave it 4 out of 5 stars. Everyone else is either 4.5 or 5. So I guess that says something about me. But I still, like, I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I just wonder if maybe I'm not quite on the right wavelength with it or something. But, yeah, definitely really appreciate it and all of that. We'll we'll get into more of it. I'm probably, throughout this episode, going, because I didn't write down my initial reactions, I'm probably just going to interject random thoughts here and there as I remember what else happened in this film. Please do. It it yeah. was a whole lot. Like what? All right. What caught me off guard in the beginning was the age difference, or it seemed like a big age Same. difference. Like one was going to university, but he was gonna ask out a high school senior. That was strange. And then I was like, okay, but he's leaving, so I, I guess that's good. And then dude is like, you know what? I'm a mac. I'm a, I'm a mac on this dude's girl. And I was like. First of all, y'all are the same age, you and the dude that left for college, and you're with the high school sophomore. Yeah, nobody has any problem with that in the movie, apparently. Yeah, maybe I I didn't know the age of the characters, but I don't know about that. Just saying. Maybe it's a cultural thing I don't know about. I'm, you know, American, so forgive me. I'll do my reaction first, going through it this watch-through. Because the first time I watched it, again, I had watched it just because people were talking about it. And I felt the need to kind of be in the know when I watched it. I was very impressed. And then I think this is my fourth, but it could be my third. But I do think it's my fourth time watching it. And yeah, each time, the age difference is weird. But I also don't know if it's just because I'm american and it's a cultural thing it, i, I think the age of consent the is 21 in korea uh, south korea i think and if they're both under 21 i think it's i guess it's okay i don't know yeah we don't get a good sense of how old ki woo is at all yeah 
Like, at, apparently yeah. he's the, about the same age as Min, but we also don't have, a, like, we don't get a number for anyone except maybe um, the really little kid in for the Park family. Oh, I also found it. I understood why the father, I, I, I don't think I want to attempt to pronounce names out of fear of butchering them yeah apologies um, in advance if we do say any and get yeah, them disclaimer. very wrong <laughs> when mr park when he sniffed dude when he was trying to grab the keys and he made that face i almost started laughing and then i saw the father's face and he went out and killed him i was like my my thought process was Okay, you see this dude stab your supposed son's art tutor? She's tutor. Mm-hmm. Therapist. And you need to grab your keys to save your family. Your driver misses. You don't know why he's still with the art tutor. It's like, yo, you need to leave. What are you doing? Drop me and my family out of here. Dude throws the keys. Drops next to dude's body. He rolls over it. Crazy guy. He picks up the keys, and his immediate thought is not, okay, now I got the keys, now I can get my family out of here safely. It's, oh my god, this guy smells bad. And he dies for it. I think that's there that's also, for, like, as part of the theme. but No, I, I, I 100%, 100%, but also, like, the thought process, the the boldness of that. Like, it's a chaotic scene you need to get your family out of there and you get your way of escape and you just stop and think, man, this guy stinks. And he pauses for it. He like holds his nose. Damn right. The father killed him. Like what? Who does that? Apparently rich people, but you know, that that's part of the theme too. class. Hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you said the you were almost laughing because upon this rewatch is one, and it might be because after the second or third time I watched it, I started to watch some video essays and read just some posts and articles about it, and a lot of people were really praising the humor in the film, mm-hmm. and that wasn't something I really noticed until like the third, and especially this rewatch. Like if I take the context out and just like especially like the scenes with the former housekeeper like when she comes when it's raining and she has to open the secret slot like you i could so see that exact same shot the framing the scene everything the actions the two characters and give it to lucy and like their best friend neighbor and that could be like a hijinks for an episode Mm. like there is so much comedy in it but they just frame it and they put the context so it has more of that thriller tone and i really enjoy that but yeah this time i really saw the comedy and Someone, I forget what article it was, someone said how the comedy and the humor allows for the, like, more heavy theme and, I guess, just the more heavy-handed way that the theme is explored to not ever come across as heavy-handed or, like, didactic because the comedy is there and it alleviates it. And I feel like that's really true because if it was, like, completely humorless, you would be so over it in, like, 15 minutes. Like, you get it. Like, you'd be like, okay, we we got it. Yep. But it's, that's not the case. But I think your statement about the theme of class is a great transition into that topic. So that's probably the most talked about and discussed aspect of this film since its release. But, you know, why not belabor it some more? So what do you guys think? 
That class theme, how'd it hit? It definitely got me... Like, I, this movie, I think this is always a good sign of a great movie for me personally, but if you keep me thinking after, like, I was thinking about it when I went to bed, because I went to bed right after, it was 1am, and then, like, even walking to and from work today, I was like, dang, but the ending, and then I just played back all the stuff that happened in the movie, and it was, it was great. With the, the class thing, I I think it was well done because it showed both sides i think fairly except the smell thing that was like y'all are just being dicks i think they they did a, a good job making both families like morally gray you could see both sides to both families the supposed the the protagonist family of the film like scamming the these these rich people but also the the gullible mom the dad, well, the dad really didn't give a shit about his family like that. Well, he I, he seemed to care about his son, at least. But yeah, them being taken advantage of, you kind of felt bad for them. But also, they hate the smell that these poor people have. So that they're also kind of dicks in a way. I think it was more subtle throughout most of the film. And then it reached that point where, um, I think it's Ki, Kiwu, was asking the the daughter if he looked like he belonged and i was like there wasn't much of this throughout the film it was a little more it was more played in like the shots or some of the dialogue or like them talking about the smell and the certain smell that smell crosses the line and all of that and then just outwardly said it maybe it was because of the climax was coming but i didn't i don't know if i cared for that moment there but for the most part i think it was well done what did you guys think it was trying to say about class i think that's kind of in the eye of the beholder because i have my own takes but i listened to a couple of podcasts and watched several videos this week or like the past couple days after re-watching it and all of them pointed out some different symbol or different like take on class that it looks into and I didn't agree with every one of them, but I think for the most part, I was, like all of them felt equally valid to me. So I think like I think he's doing a good job of like putting a lot of meaning into a lot of different areas so you can see all different stuff. And I'm sure there's cultural things there too. Like I kind of look at it mostly the, the things I focused on most because um, there's a lot that I I had to have explained to me. Um, by the other things that I like didn't see the symbolism in the ones that I do see more of is like class solidarity among the lower class characters like the fact that they are kind of given an opportunity to work together and like have their interests aligned but they turn on each other like that I think is effective commentary and social mobility like the idea that you can rise in class and how difficult that is. That was where I saw the smell motif coming up the most is like mm. as hard as they're trying, like, and I was thinking about it as like, it's kind of an interesting thing to use because especially, you know, smell doesn't translate in movies, at least not yet. And I really hope that stays that way. Cause I don't need to smell my movies, but old radish. <laughs> Yeah, we'll partner with the Yankee Candle and make a gimmick out of it or something. 
it's an interesting thing to use because a lot of times I think when we look at somebody like and determine their class, one thing that is often an indicator is how they dress or like how they look, how they do their hair, that kind of thing. So that's visual. And sometimes it's like an accent, the way that they talk. So that's obviously audio. I feel like those are also things you can change. Like another movie that we've talked about that deals with class is Kingsman. Like th- that doesn't deal nearly as much with class, but it, it does deal with it a bit. And Eggsy in that movie talks about like getting dressed up and talking different as like the indicators yeah. of what his class standing are. But smell is kind of a different thing where it's harder to get rid of and it's harder to be self-aware about it because like most people don't really know what they smell like because they're smelling themselves all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like harder to wash off yourself. Obviously there's things you can do, but like when Mr. Park says that smell crosses the line, to me that reads as the Kims and no matter what they do, like they are presenting in every other way as like kind of being members of this upper class, even if they are just being servants to them. But that's kind of like, no matter how hard they try, they can't really erase that from their identity. And Mm -hmm. that's going like, just because they're lower class, that inherently is like making it harder for them. Like there are obstacles in their way to becoming part of the upper class. One thing I was thinking of is that you'd have a hard time making this kind of movie set in America because there's there's a number of other factors that I think tie into class, namely race in America. I don't know what race relations are like in Korea, but at least if whatever like tensions exist are not highlighted in this movie. So it's kind of able to just focus in on class. I feel like if you made this in America, you wouldn't be able to isolate class from probably a number of other factors that are just kind of inherent to American society. I like the commentary on like social mobility, or at least like that's one where I can kind of see what it's doing. But there's a lot of other areas that other people have talked about that I, I'm not saying they're not there at all. I just wasn't really aware of it as I was watching. Yeah, I think my takeaway from the commentary that he is presenting on the theme of class was the lack of social mobility. It seems like it's pointed out in a lot of different videos, and I guess I agree with it. It's that ending, that kind of surrealistic filmmaking that is the last like five to ten minutes when the sun goes and buys the house. I hated it. Lives the lives the American dream. I it's hated like this it. This whole lie, like it's it's literally just a lie, and I I enjoy that because it's showing. Okay, like, yeah, like, the, he's going to now work his entire life for something he'll never be able to attain. But that was kind of always his destiny oh to begin with. God. And that's how it's always going to be, because that's how the world has predetermined his worth, because he is in this specific class versus the Park family, who are in a different class. And I enjoyed that, but... It is kind of a more pessimistic outlook, but I also think the film as a whole has a more pessimistic point of view, so I don't think it's that much of a leap for me to walk away with that kind of feeling. I do think the theme, though, is 
really explored well through the contrast of the families. And I agree with a lot of what you both were saying. And there's actually an article that I think highlights exactly what you both were saying. And it just pretty much says, Bong Joon-ho throws away the subtlety he had been utilizing throughout the first two acts. The scene opens with the Kim and Park family directly comparing their experience with the Mrs. Park saying how horrible the rain was for ruining their trip, but then the next day being grateful for it as it cleared the smog in the city while the Kim family lost all of their personal belongings to the storm and had to sleep in a shelter. The comparisons continue until the until finally the film reaches its climax after the poor Kim daughter is murdered by the housekeeper's husband in an act of revenge. The wealthy Park son begins to have a seizure. Mr. Park, seeing that his son needs to leave the scene, flips over the limp body of poor Mr. Kim's daughter and grabs the car keys, but not before making a face of disgust, as Jelani pointed out, of the smell of the poor. In an interview with The Guardian, Bong Joon-ho says, these are the moments where the basic respect you have for another human being is being shattered smell really reflects your life it shows if you're struggling what kind of work you do even when you sense the smell of someone else you don't talk about it in the open because it can be rude and i think that's like exactly why it works because like even i know like i feel like everyone has the moment like i remember i went to a family member's house once and i will not name names because it's rude but goddamn, it smelled but you don't say it like is that is like probably the most insulting thing you could really tell somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if it's I not necessarily a bad smell, moment. if it's just different, like you don't want to comment on it. And it, it I think it sucks more. I'm going to just say personally, in my case, because I'm allergic to like scents. Like I, I get a skin, I have a skin condition. So like I have to get everything unscented. So whatever I'm wearing, whatever scent that has, that's what I'm living with. I can try and mask whatever. I'm, I'm not saying I stink, but I can try and add a scent through like cologne but it has to be on like my clothes a thick layer of clothing because if not it'll just seep through whatever the clothes or or stain it uh depending on the cologne which is why i normally don't use it so yeah i get that that sucks yeah and it's not as if you can go around day-to-day explaining that to people right nobody's gonna assume that about you right and i don't which isn't fair don't Exactly, and I don't know how I smell to other people. I don't know what type of scent I have. So, like, I'm not just going to go up to everybody I meet and be like, well, if I smell strange or just really different or anything, I have a skin condition. So I, I, I can't have scents. So that's me. Uh, my name is Jelani. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that scent thing is not something I consider. I No, well, it was prevalent throughout the film, but the way... David just dive deep with that. That's not something I was thinking that deeply about. That's great. What did you guys think about um, the guy who keeps urinating in the Kim street? Because I I was thinking like, it's mostly that he shows up, I want to say twice, maybe it's three times and I'm forgetting the third. But like, if he shows up one time, I feel like that's just exposition of like, they live in like kind of Mm -hmm. a rundown area. But he shows up twice, which feels significant to me. So what do we think that's saying? Like, is he? what is he there to symbolize? Because I feel like he is there to symbolize something, but I'm not really sure what. I think it'd be funny if everybody, like, overanalyzed it and Bong Joon-ho was just like, I just wanted to have a guy that peed on things. That's true in some cases. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to... <laughs> Part of me feels like it's just one of those things where it's like, you think of just any kind of 
lower income neighborhood in anywhere in any nation. And there's probably somebody who's getting a little wasted and maybe being a little belligerent about it. And a lot of times that's the government. And like, there's the whole Dave Chappelle joke, like liquor store, liquor store, gun store, liquor store. And it's like, that's for whatever reason, nations seem to medicate the lower income civilians to kind of keep them in that area as well mm -hmm. and have them waste their money with kind of that immediate release instead of long-term goals and satisfaction. So if I had to go super deep with it, I guess you could say like that drunk is like the personification of everything that the Kim family doesn't want to be. Like it's everything, like, like all the stereotypes that they're trying to not be mm -hmm. and they want to like transcend and probably a little of their own self-hatred because like they do kind of abuse him opposed to like maybe being kinder because you could see him as a person in like pain or in a similar position if they were to kind of empathize with him because they could relate on that level but instead they kind of like project like a hatred and they like harass him and throw water and everything and like yell at him and correct me if i'm wrong i think that scene comes like shortly after they're like starting to infiltrate the house and like are kind of rising in class yeah. So maybe I thought it's it was kind showing of dude's confidence or something. Yeah, or that. I think it's it's probably doing both. I think it is showing mm -hmm. like like increased confidence, but it's also maybe showing like kind of a haughtiness and like looking down on him. Yeah, like they feel like they're getting out, so like they're better than him. How much were they getting paid? Because I expected them to move by the halfway point. Like all four of them were getting paid handsomely. Getting I think. that money. Yeah, there's not no, really an indication did. of it. They did in the I'm initial to get phase. Paid, but we just, there's never like, it's never like a forefront moment where it's like they're saving up the money. Like the focus is always on them just getting worse and worse. Well, there is a little bit of somebody, there was a, one of the videos I watched pointed out that the food they eat throughout gets progressively more expensive and like better. And there was even, I missed this, but there's a part in the middle of the montage when they're getting rid of the housekeeper one part of that montage they're eating pizza in a restaurant that was in the restaurant for like the pizza place that they're making the boxes for at the beginning and oh, their yeah, boss yeah. is the one who served them um mm. apparently yeah. which when they pointed out i was like oh yeah i see that but i totally missed it both times i watched it that was kind of like a subtle indicator and i i, I wonder if maybe people who are more aware of like korean food brands like maybe to them that's the equivalent of like they're eating mcdonald's at the beginning and then maybe upgrading to like olive garden in the middle that ramdan looked like fire the when they had eight minutes and she made the food for the son that didn't eat it it was just i think it's is it just they called it ramen later so is it just korean ramen well, apparently that's Probably. like a hybrid thing of like ramen and udon. I, I heard that talked about it in some other things. Fire! I don't care what it. Apparently, it's actually like a, that's also symbolic, though. I think it. They said the thing I watched said it was like I think that food is. It, it's almost like their mac and cheese, like craft mac and cheese. Really? In a way, yeah, because because there's something the the mom indicate. Well, it's a combination. That that was what it was. I think the noodles are like their they were from a Kraft package. mac and cheese, and yeah, the son really likes like them, which package checks out. Mm -hmm. You know, he's nine. Nine year olds mm -hmm. love bad food, <laughs> like and then they put steak in it. 
Right. And and the 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 video was saying like the stake is kind of like upper class sitting on lower class was the symbolism mm. they were unpacking with it. Oh, like the wow. expensive stake on the like cheap noodles. Mm. Whenever people like analyze movies like this, I doesn't get back to the get out. Um, I'm, I was just thinking about Jordan Peele saying, like, people are saying the separation of colors when when she was eating the cereal separate from the milk, separation of colors and and whites. And he was he was like, no, I just wanted to make her look crazy. He was like, I just thought, what would a crazy bitch do? They would separate the milk. They would eat the dry cereal and drink the milk. Like crazy. Yeah, I love that. People really will read so deep into a movie if they just. If the movie gets like the okay from the general public, they're like, the okay, this is good enough. Well, I think there's somewhere that works though. Like, I think this is one where there there probably is meaning infused into a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I I think in a in I don't know how many years, but maybe a few decades, this might be something where people like tear into it the way that we tear into Shakespeare in English class, where everything will have been said about it for mm. like years, but then some tenth grade English students gonna have to be like huh, the symbolism of the pizza boxes. Yeah, huh. Right. They're folding the pizza right. boxes. Why and... didn't she fold that corner? Didn't we do the same thing with Get Out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and, you know, we are here to unpack stuff. So I'm, a, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm obviously... I meant not us, but it. us as, like, movie watchers, too. Like, everybody. Yeah, like, the, the cinema people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. unpack Get Out until it was... I, I don't have a joke here. I was trying to think of something quickly. Unpack Get Out until it got in. (laughs) Is that work? All right, well, we're going to wrap this episode up, guys. Thank you all. Look, I made an attempt. (laughs) That's why I didn't make an attempt, Evan, because I couldn't come up with anything good. All right, well, Uh, in any case, I I think there probably are a lot of things in here that are intentional, but I would totally believe it if there are some things that people are like oh my god the symbolism and bong joon ho is like oh yeah to- totally <laughs> intentional guys <laughs> you know it that's like at that point you just take it like you take all the credit yeah you take if someone's you're like yep yeah, that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all that, intention he, you saw it you understand well but yeah. even if he doesn't do it intentionally like it's something i've kind of come to look at like especially through film analysis like other analysts have done a good job of looking at like some of the unconscious worldview that directors present in their work there's a good series on Zack snyder with that and i think some of it i don't know if i believe all of what they unpack with it but it kind of made me see like even if he's not doing this intentionally maybe it's just kind of a way that he sees the world and isn't aware of so there might, I could believe that, like, extrapolating that out into Parasite, I could believe if there are some things that Bong Joon-ho put in to this movie that he didn't intend to be symbolic, but he kind of, like, did it unconsciously and, like, created a symbol without really meaning to. I think that's possible in a lot of areas. Maybe it's true here. Shout out to when dude popped his head above the staircase. And was just staring at the child. Mm-hmm. That was by far, I think, one of the creepiest but funniest shots I've ever seen. You just slowly see his eyes rise above the stairs. That was because <laughs> you knew who they were talking about, but I didn't. I didn't think he'd look that insane. 
Yeah, he does look pretty on him. <laughs> He's got a His great interaction face. with just like a kitchen counter. Yeah. Also, a funny moment turned awfully weird and sad at the same time was when the part family, the mother and father, were on the couch, and they'd mentioned the smell, and then the Kim family father slowly raised his shirt to his nose. I found that funny at first. And then Mr. Park started talking about wearing the panties. I don't know if he said he <laughs> I think that them. scene got some, <laughs> like, the loudest reactions in my theater out of every scene. He asked his wife, do you still have those cheap panties? Yeah. Yeah, because I want to wear them. <laughs> no, wait, he didn't want to wear them. The, he wanted his wife to wear them, right? No, he wants his wife to wear yeah. them. But the way you said uh, it, he's, he asked about the cheap panties. <laughs> like, he's like, yo, go get the cheap panties. I want to put them on. <laughs> you know the drill. <laughs> but for Mr. Park to be listening to that, that that's his all of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the his ex- daughter. The wife exclaims, "Buy me drugs!" <laughs> yeah. What? Where did? Why did that scene? What? I mean, there's definitely symbolism in it. Like one of the one of the things yeah, I listened to was like the course. fact that it's like a low, like they're fantasizing about being poor, and like that's a turn on for them. Which uh, is kind of, like, yeah. added commentary. I was also thinking yeah. about what if that scene was, like, I don't know what situation this would happen in, but, like, I was wondering, like, what if you reversed that scene and put the parks under, like, the Kim's coffee table? Like, what would the consequences, like, are the stakes significantly different there? Because if the parks would get caught, and partly that's because, like, they broke into their house. They um, reveal that they are a family and not just four separate people. But I was wondering if that's maybe like a way to expand on the class commentary is like if the rich family was accidentally under the poor family's coffee table while the parents are getting it on on the couch. I don't is... think the, the parks would stay for that. I think they'd reveal themselves before anything happened. And then, like, make an excuse, like, you can't sue me for this because I'll have so many lawyers. Right, I feel like awkwardness is the, like, worst consequence of that. Like, that feels like a sitcom moment. Whereas this is like, oh, God, we like, the stakes are so high in that scene if they get found out. Yeah. Well, yeah, my last note for the class thing, um, this is kind of pointed out by some other people that I've listened to, but... I was noticing the different family dynamics, too, where the Kims are, like, they seem pretty close with each other. And the Parks aren't, like, they don't seem like they have any, like, hatred with each other, but they are kind of distant. And just before we started, I kind of was thinking, I'm not sure if we ever have a shot that all four of the Parks are in together. Was the car one? I feel like the car was one. Okay, maybe. All right, I stand corrected then. Yeah. Also, re-watching it, I was like, I am positive Mr. Park cheats on his wife. There's no textual evidence, but I know it's true. I feel... I agree with you. Yeah, but, like, when? All the time. He probably yeah. goes on business trips, or, in quotes, business trips. Yeah. Kind of, he definitely he shot me as a girl type. with a cheat panty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's kind of a classic thing, I guess really just in stories, but, like, the fake business trip thing is kind of a classic rich dude cheating on his wife trope. I feel like Mrs. Park would be so oblivious to him yeah. cheating, though. 
which is why it's that's probably why it wasn't mentioned because she's so gullible yeah i read an article about it on the criterion about just like kind of the scene we were just talking about that weird kind of buy me drug sex scene Mm -hmm. and there was a kind of conversation because moments before that whole scene happens and the uh kims have to go underneath the furniture mrs kim makes a remark at the expense of the husband and like he grabs her shirt and Mm -hmm. threatens to like hit her and then like the whole family like bursts out laughing and then like immediately after that they go into the weird sex scene and this article was saying how it like kind of expresses the jarring like difference between the two families but also the similarities between the wives because at least for mrs park she's like lives in fear of her position with her husband Mm -hmm. and she constantly has to have him like reassure her and he has to kind of reassure himself that he's in love with somebody that he doesn't actually love Mm -hmm. and like he's pretending that she's somebody else and he's pretending or she's pretending he's somebody else so it's a whole mess yeah well she also i think one of the times that somebody gets fired i can't remember which one but i think she explicitly is like we can't tell mr park about this that was the i think it's the housekeeper they only had two employees I, I want to say it's the I housekeeper. I think it was the housekeeper. I think yeah. it would have to think be it was because the second one. he discovers yeah. the driver. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think it would be the housekeeper. They do a good job. Like, it doesn't really come to anything in terms of, like, it, that doesn't really pay off. But I feel like because it doesn't pay off, that must be some kind of, like, there, there still has to be some kind of relevance there or intention. I feel like as goofy as the scene leading up to the turning point was i i felt bad for the housekeeper because i was like yo mm-hmm. there's marks on her face and she's out here crying in the rain and okay she cut the camera but i guess that was necessary cool and i i felt empathy all the way up until the point where she said don't call me sis bitch and i was like all right well all the- <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was doing that's what you gotta just punch her in the throat you know she's not on your side I was like, okay, well, all that empathy is gone, and now they're going to hold them hostage? Oh, they're making them... The minute she starts opening secret passageways that you didn't know about, it's just you got to call it off. You got to call in your son, your husband, your daughter. Start pulling her down. Was it breast milk she was giving him? I don't know how much longer he had. I felt no empathy or any sort of, only probably hatred towards the the husband, though. And I didn't care for him. Was he necessary? Let me ask that. I think yes, because I didn't really notice this either time I watched it, but again, in the breakdowns I watched, they point out that he is there because, like, he's in the situation he's in because he's hiding from debt collectors. So he, like, can't go out to the outside world. Might he also represent how the parks might view poor people? Like, the extreme? Yeah, yeah, I can see that as well. I think it also represents their, like, just their ignorance and their, like, naivety. They they don't know their own house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is, like, their whole journey with the whole movie with the the Mm Kims. Well, it's also, like, uh, I think it, yeah, kind of tying into both of those points, like, there is kind of a horror from their perspective of, like, oh, God, we've been sharing our house this whole time with somebody who's not even like dangerous toward like he the the guy has no intention of hurting any of the parks 
Mm-hmm. But what I, I think, you know, sticking with the theme, what I think we're supposed to imagine they would find appalling is like... The smell. Yeah, the smell of this guy. He's like the lowest of low class and we've been sharing a house with him. That I think is supposed to be the commentary that like how appalled they would probably be at finding that out even though he's obviously not there to hurt them he's sending messages to mr park saying how much he appreciates him making his head bleed because of it yeah is there anything else on class i mean yes but not that i have (laughs) it's probably a lot more on class than i'm sure there's a ton that we didn't talk about well if we don't have anything else i guess class is dismissed Uh, that's pretty I'm sorry. That was pretty leading. That was better than get in. So. <laughs> yeah, you you win the pun award for the day. <laughs> Definitely over me. We'll see if David can top that. But uh, all right, I took over for a second, David, just for that joke. You can get it. <laughs> <laughs> that was worth it. Definitely was worth it. But the next major theme we can hop into is planning, and this I didn't really notice until the second rewatch, just because like. The first time I watch anything, I really don't try to go into it, focusing too much on, like, analyzing it. I just want to let whatever it is kind of be. And the second time I try to go into it with a more analytical brain, especially dialogue-wise, because I love dialogue. And there is so much of use of the word plan. They love to say plan. Mm-hmm. And I think this will also tie into the foreshadowing conversation I want to have about this film, because I think of all the traditional screenwriting techniques this film utilizes foreshadowing probably the best and i think plan and planning and having a plan and the lack of a plan all kind of affects the character in whatever moment they're experiencing in the film and they reflected at different times in the dialogue for example when they're after the flood when they're back at the shelter and the son asked the father about, like, what's you said you had a plan. What's the plan? Because this whole time you're watching this movie and the son's the one with the plan. He keeps he, he has a plan to get the family in and each step of the way. And then it turns when everything starts to kind of go poorly and everything floods and they get into the basement and everything kind of just turns on its own head. And the father steps up. But when the father steps up, he doesn't really have a plan. And that kind of sends us into this third act where the lack of a plan results in some pretty detrimental things like death. the death of his own daughter that none of us really liked. His I liked her! Kind of... No, I meant the death. None of us really oh. liked the death. Yeah, everyone, <laughs> I liked her. Everyone no. the daughter, the daughter. everyone's favorite character. Okay. Yeah, I like the daughter. I was about to say, no what? The death. Why That's why like, I haven't been talking about it, because I just don't want to talk about the death, because it's sad. That's probably the only um, reason I wouldn't rewatch the movie, to be honest. I don't think she ever needed to die, and I don't understand why that was written in. Yeah, so, you know, that's kind of a direct result. They don't deal with the guy living in the basement. And then, you know, he's kind of always wanted to live in that house. That's kind of his whole goal, this whole movie. And then he finally gets what he wants by becoming a prisoner in it, and he lives forever detached from his family as a result of it and his lack of a plan so i just wonder upon your first watch jelani and now your rewatch of it did the theme of the plan or the planning or the use of the dialogue to kind of keep that theme relevant in the film did any of that work for you was it too much evan i'm gonna see you first okay 
I wasn't thinking about it while watching it, but in since you suggested this topic, I gave it some thought. Again, going back to the social mobility thing I was talking about a little bit ago, like I, I was also thinking about this in like a post-COVID context because I saw this slightly before COVID hit, like most people did. We all now know what it's like to like everyone had plans for 2020, probably, and uh, I don't think anyone got what they wanted except maybe joe biden i get it so yeah um wasn't really a joke but (laughs) um yeah but that was a joke though because his name is joe joe uh, i'm sorry all right you might you might just lost your pun crown for the day yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) anyway you know there's certainly luck involved with social mobility a ton of it but that's kind of the whole thing is like you can plan for success you can and, and just like Kiwu does at the end, he, like, has his whole thing. I'm going to, like, get educated, get a job, and I'm going to go buy that house. And how many things are going to get in his way and go wrong that he doesn't expect? Like, assuming he does pursue that his entire life. There is no way to fully plan for success. And I hadn't really noticed the distinction you brought up, David, between Kiwu and Kitek on the dad and son in that kiwu is always making plans and his dad never does and i wonder if that could kind of be broadened out to like anyone who becomes incredibly wealthy doesn't do it by accident except in maybe some rare cases but like anyone who owns like a massive business like yes again there was luck involved but they schemed like being to get born there. into it. Well, okay, I'll, I'll scratch that. Anyone who like built wealth for themselves, like entrepreneurs, let's say. Mm-hmm. For one thing, like I think there's maybe a bit of a parallel in like how the Kims have to be kind of deceptive and do some things that and kind of screw some people over to get even a small amount of elevation in class. And if you expand that out into a bigger thing like there's tons of examples of exploitation by people who like are building their business or whatever so i wonder if that's part of it where like kiwu is the one who gets them elevated but he's also kind of more devious whereas the sense i get from the dad is that he seems like he's the least naturally clever of the family like the rest of them seem to come up with stuff where like oh this is how we can like get that person kicked out he's never really the one suggesting anything i was so worried he was gonna snap well he did but like i thought he was gonna ruin it for them just the look on his face in certain scenes i was just like dude you gotta keep this together yeah but like his main role is kind of just following orders like his biggest part is he like tells mrs park about the housekeeper having tuberculosis and that entire thing is a speech written out for him by the kids. He's just kind of a pawn in that whole montage of them getting rid of the housekeeper. That was um, a really adorable scene, by the way, and the son directing him. That was, that's why I liked the family. They, again, they were so... They were pretty tightly knit. Yeah, they have a pretty wholesome dynamic. Even though what they were doing was not wholesome. Right, but it's like any classic heist crew, like... You know. It did feel like, I was going to say, it did feel like a heist montage when they were going through the, especially for the dad and the, the mother, getting the the driver and the housekeeper fired. It was like, 
and then we're gonna do this, and then I'm surprised they didn't have like those slide cuts. Where they yeah, the, the split yeah. screen transitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I love the ice montage guy. with the smooth jazz and the all that. We gotta do Ocean's Eleven someday. <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, one thing I thought of, I don't know if this is extrapolating too much, but the housekeeper has been there for years, and she never made a plan for if she got fired. It seems like she didn't seem all that prepared for it. Um, Like what she was going to do about her husband. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's maybe part of it that... Oh, I didn't answer David's question. Yeah, well, go ahead. That was all my points anyway. I liked it. I liked its place in the movie. It definitely felt secondary to the the whole overarching class theme. I think it was cool. I don't really have much to say. What did you think maybe of the uh, speech where that basically is an endorsement of improv, where the dad says like, "The best plan is no plan." As yeah, I disliked the pessimism of of it, but I just thought it do really be like that sometimes, though, dog. A lot of the times when I try and think of the way something's going to happen for me, it never does. There's mm-hmm. always going to be something slightly off. And I'm like, oh my god, I can't ever just imagine something the way I imagined and that coming to fruition. It's never going to be that way for some reason. It's just the way I see it right now. But that that's why I connected to that scene just a little bit. But again, I don't agree with the pessimism of it i think you should always plan and that's why the son was the one that was you know the one that get them in the door in the first place now hopefully they make a parasite too where he wins oh, that'd be awful <laughs> <laughs> they call it parasites <laughs> yes with a dollar sign just like the uh, alien pitch oh gosh like that would just be absolutely awful sigourney weaver shows up starts speaking <laughs> korean <laughs> In South Korea, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> I'm sorry. One, one thing I wanted to bring up, I don't know if either of you know this, but the only other Bong Joon-ho movie I have seen is Snowpiercer, which also deals a lot he with He did life. that? He did. Wait, the, that's why I recognize the dad's face. Wasn't he the father of some kid in that movie? I think so. He probably was. He's in like all of his movies. Oh, got it. Yeah. I so I know. Snowpiercer. Yeah, I, 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 I know you've mentioned that. So I wanted to. Um, that was another class movie. Not, not to get us like way off track. Yeah. Well, one of the videos I watched was about how Bong Joon Ho's entire filmography is kind of dealing with class and mm. looking at it in very different ways. And Snowpiercer mm. is like if. For those who haven't seen it, like, massive, like, really obvious class allegory. Way less subtle, yeah. The back of the train is where the poor people go. <laughs> Suckers. Yeah, that's basically, that's basically <laughs> the premise of the movie. And um, Chris Evans is in it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, we, we should do Snowpiercer at some point, because I think it would be... I, I also, I don't love it, but I think it would be interesting to talk about. I just wanted to bring it up because it's also dealing with class very blatantly and same filmmaker as blatant as it was that's what attracted me to snowpiercer in the first place like oh this movie's about class i was younger too when i first saw it they're on a train it's the end of the world they need this train class separation they're trying to get to the front of the train 
dope. I'm on board. And then it was just bad. Yeah, the allegory in that I don't I don't want to get us too much on a tangent, but it's it's not like I think in in principle it's a really tight allegory, but the way that it's actually executed exactly. kind of like goes off the rails with it a little I'm and adds still... a lot of stuff that didn't really need to be there, I thought. Like the classroom and then the teacher trying to murder them. Like what yes. why was that there? There there was a there was a club scene. Also, F that guy that was I'm trying to keep it PG-13. F that guy that was, um, the guy in the gray suit that was like a hitman and he didn't speak. All he did was make grunting noises and it took forever to, he killed like at least three people from the main cast. Mm -hmm. I was like, yo, if somebody doesn't just put a bullet in this guy, that was by far my least favorite. Like, there's a lot for me to dislike about the movie, I think, but that was by far my least favorite part. It's like, all of their problems, they could have had most of this cast to the end of the train by the end of this movie, but they had freaking Agent 47 John Wick here murdering more than half of them. It's like, bro, he was like 50, 60. I was like, yo, Chris Evans, you don't just throw a shield at this man's? Like, what are y'all doing? I'm sorry. Yeah, but he had his Infinity War beard in that, so he didn't have the shield. Oh, Damn. Mm. I haven't seen the movie, but now it makes sense. Oh, sorry for spoilers. Um, oh, yeah. It's fine. Uh, d- I don't know if I'm ever going to watch it. You don't have to. Unless we do. I'm not leading that episode of I think it would be an interesting episode to do, so I'm open to it. Because, I, yeah. I think it's a, it'd be an interesting movie to talk about, but it's not one of my favorites. No. I think it'd be interesting to talk about because we feel strongly about Well, I do. Mm-hmm. It's better than it being in the middle of the thing. Then we wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't really have anything to say about it, so... Well, it's also, like, a constructive dislike, I yes. think. It's not just, like, like how we hate the Raimi movies. No, that's just pure, unadulterated, just just rage. Loathing. Uh. <laughs> it's just... Can we move on? Yes. How did we okay. find a way to mention For the sure. Raimi no, movies? For sure, no, I'll give my take on the theme of planning. This has nothing to do with um, the Raimi movies. How did we bring that up? Again? It always comes up. Oh, it's either no. that or community that always comes up when we don't mean it to. <laughs> but I like the theme of planning. Again, I didn't pick up on it till the second or third watch, but I think it's pretty well done as a secondary theme just to have, I guess, the most interesting Thing about it to me that I don't think we talked about yet was just the ending moment that the son has where his kind of resolution is that he's making a plan to save his father so it kind of all comes full circle in that regard so I like that I love circularity in my storytelling hmm. I, I felt so betrayed but I also felt like it stuck with the theme of the movie when it was revealed that I thought it was like the epilogue like the last scene like yes they made it out and then they cut to the basement, and I was like, oh, why, Bong Joon-ho, you, you, you did it, you did it, like, I was so, I was like, yo, just fade out here, and then they faded into the basement, I was like, no, why That would be the fairy here? tale version, though, like, I think yeah, he's going it would. for the realism, it, 100% and it works, <laughs> yeah, no, it works better this way, but also, after that ending, I don't, I'm so sad. The yep. ending would have been better if the daughter lived. I would have been fine with it a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I don't feel like that adds anything. Yeah, that is the real damper of things. No, it didn't. That that's why I'm. That's also part of the reason I'm upset at it. Like that, she didn't. She, she was by. Well, she was our all three of our favorite characters, right? 
Is well, she just seems yeah. like the most chill character in this. Like, the, she's the one I'd want to hang out with more than anyone else. So, all three of our favorite characters, and, and like they were, it it definitely who who said Evan? It didn't it didn't add anything? Like, you didn't need to kill her off. I would and like there to was hear no... a counterpoint if somebody does think it adds something. Right, though. please. I could see it happening. I just have no idea what it would add. I, I, yeah, I don't know the reasoning behind that. She wasn't worse, like, by far the worst family member or anything like that. She doing what her brother was doing. She actually helped him because she forged the documents, and they were just like, I don't care about documents. Yeah, I didn't. That wasn't necessary. And I'm I'm normally one for, like, meaningless deaths sometimes if it like if there's a good enough shock value or impact to it but it was like nah not here i did hear one yeah. thing that one one of the podcasts i listened to pointed out that she is the member of that family that they kind of say like she feels like she belongs in the upper class world more than the rest of them like one of the family members kind of says something like that i think in the scene where they're all getting drunk they're like you oh, kind of yeah. fit in here better than the rest of us so why kill her? Well, maybe that's part of it, but I I don't know. Damn it. But if that's all we have for themes on planning, we can head right into foreshadowing. So speaking of circularity, this movie pops off with circularity when it comes to foreshadowing. He, whether it's, you know, from the start of the film or if he's just going to give you five minutes before, like when we were talking about the pizza scene, the dad puts the ketchup or whatever sauce that is on the pizza when they're pl- making the plan, and then ten minutes later we get the scene with the sauce. So like, the director is really not pulling any punch. Like he's going for every shot he can when it comes to foreshadowing, and I think it pays off. I have a few things written down that I'm just gonna shoot out, and then I want to hear what you guys think. But like the lights, the hidden room in the house, the mention of the boy seizure, the open window, the sculpture item used to kill at the end with Chekhov's gun. Those were the ones that stuck out to me the most. But what did you guys think of that? Were you guys like, oh, this is a too much foreshadowing, or did you like it? Because I personally like it. I liked it. It feels like everything in this, besides the daughter's death, it felt like everything in this movie was, um, was purposefully, very purposefully done. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. That just, I like foreshadowing anyway, because it just means you know where your story's going. You you know how this ends and if you're paying attention enough attention i like little hints like that along the way like that that gives movies like rewatch valley like oh they did this earlier in the movie that okay that makes way more sense as to why this happened down the line i'm here for the foreshadowing i don't find it's one of the elements in this or any other movie that i find most like interesting but i'm here for it one thing i did pick up this time around was I think the Mrs. Park says that the housekeeper eats enough for like two people. And I missed oh. that the first time, but I was like, Oh, oh of course she's taking food down to her husband. I um, didn't pick up on that. They were like, she's great in every way, but she does kind of eat a lot. Doesn't she? So that was, that was one bit of foreshadowing that I picked up on this time. Now, what about the back shadowing? Are we, did we like that? Back shadow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bad yeah, I think the lighting in this movie was great. <laughs> I think that a lot of backs had a lot of shadows. And I think they looked pretty good. I, I do like the visuals. I don't know how much of a joke. No, I love, yeah, I love... That was... I don't want to say that was my favorite. 
It's definitely one of my favorite parts in the movie. Like, it was really, really cool to look at. And I normally never pay attention to cinematography, but I feel like Bong Joon-ho was definitely just like, nah, you need to see this, fam. And I did. Then I liked it. Yeah, that's why I think it's hard to not look for the symbols and the symbolism in this film Mm -hmm. when he's going so hard at making each frame so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Even, like you said, even if it's not always intentional. Like, just the out, the result. It's just like, okay, wow. Yeah. Look at that. The framing, the depth, all of it. Gorgeous. The lighting. The lighting, the colors. Like, even when they were returning in the rain back to the back to their place when it started flooding like i was like this is really sad because it's like raining but it also looks really beautiful (laughs) like these orange lights are really clean it also feels really natural though like because i was thinking it, it reminded me a bit of david fincher where like he's he's his newer stuff like social network house of cards he has some influence on like those show kind of like rich people houses a lot but he does this like really dark color palette which i i like but i kind of got that sense when we were in the parks house but it feels very natural it doesn't feel like there's any color correction or anything there and then same with the um kim's house like it kind of reminded me of like how dirty the houses in a lot of locations in in fight club are but not with that like it kind of felt like it was doing david fincher but not doing like his intense color styling it was like the organic david fincher thing ozark is another i hate the coloring in that show and i think that's the point it's very gross and dingy looking and i don't want to be there and they do a really good job at making you never want to go to missouri Damn. Well, if you're listening from Missouri, you better just stop. <laughs> I went on vacation in the Ozarks one time. I remember it being nice. I don't know if that's actually where it's set. but Oh, I have no idea, but the show just... I'm going to stay away from the state. No no offense to anybody from Missouri. I'm not... I don't know if you guys even want me down there. Probably not after I just insulted your state. But, like, <laughs> blame Ozark. Blame Jason Bateman. Yeah, at the end of the day. <laughs> Always blame Jason Bateman, I what? guess. I did not uh, say that. Like, is your gas four dollars? Blame Jason Bateman. <laughs> I wasn't saying that. Oh, that's what that's what you're saying. <laughs> okay. Is your subway late? <laughs> Bet Jason Bateman's got something to do with that too. <laughs> yeah. Every time Antrac hasn't been on time, it's because of Jason Bateman. Somebody give you the wrong cheese in your sandwich, Jason Bateman. <laughs> You need to make sure this cheese is wrong. Make sure the cheese is wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. His, impression. His, thanks. His, uh, this is the first time I'm trying it. Speaking of Jason <laughs> comedy, this film uses humor to its advantage. Did you guys ever feel like the humor was out of place or misplaced or just weird? I kind of enjoy the humor and it kind of aids to the rewatches because it's it allows it to just kind of be ridiculous and funny when it is super ridiculous. I feel like Jason Bateman as the father would have just been telling the guy to put the knife down if he saw him. Hey, 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 what are you going to do with that? Put the knife down. Put the put the knife down. <laughs> That's like a ghost in the shell moment. Like, come on, Scarlett, you can do it. She was white. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, Can you imagine okay. him speaking perfect English to like his Korean family, and he has no idea what they're saying any at any point? What if instead of Jason Bateman, it's Jack Nicholson? <laughs> That's worse. What if instead of Jack Nicholson, it's Nicholas All right, Cage? Buddy, just, just put the knife down. What if instead of Nicholas Cage? Talk this out, like you're just oh, picking no. the craziest actors, huh? <laughs> yeah. Best kind of plan is no plan at all. No plan at all. You're wrong. <laughs> That's literally what he said. Back on topic. Yeah, sorry, David. Yeah, so how was the comedy? Yeah. Did it work? Oh, yeah. I think so. I think it did. You did ask that. I think it did. Personally, I like it. I like the editing, especially in the peach scene where they're all jumping over each other. Oh, I think it's very yeah. funny. I think there's funny dialogue when they give in the beginning when she gets the stone and it's like, ugh, this is an old stone. And the mom is like, food would have been better. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think or, there's a lot of comedy. Or when they're standing around the pizza girl asking for a job, like begging for a job, and then the mom, you just see her on the left side of the screen <laughs> with her mouth hanging open, just staring blankly at her. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing here? She wasn't saying anything. <laughs> She's just staring at the pizza girl while they're, while her children were begging for a job. I was like, "You, does she know she doesn't need to be in the shot?" <laughs> She's just like, "This is good." <laughs> I think the funniest moment for me is when Ki Jung is the daughter is interviewing for the uh, art therapist job, and she's like just oh. kind of like winging it through the son's drawing, and she's like. See that down there? Schizophrenia zone. The mom's like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Did anything happen to him in the first grade? (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) That that seems full on psychic twins. Yeah. Uh, There were a couple moments where I didn't know if I was supposed to laugh or not. I can't think of anything specific, but upon rewatch, I'm probably just going to laugh at everything. The comedy definitely worked for me. And I. Yeah, it, it, it works. Especially. Again, that one shot of dude popping his head out the stairwell. I was like, you could, <laughs> you could not make a more unnaturally creepy face for this shot. I think it never, it never like makes it feel tonally confused though. Like it does a nice job no, on that line. It no. never goes like ridiculous in a way that feels um, out of place. Yeah, I do really love when they're just scamming the mom with the art. And it's like before he brings up his sister and he's looking at the one piece and he's like, is this a chimpanzee? And he's like, ah, yes. A child's genius is so elusive. And she was like, I know. (laughs) That kid's going to get put in so many clubs that he doesn't want to be part of. Well, he seems to like the the Cub Scouts. Yeah. And also has a weird fascination with Native Americans. Yes. They called them yes. American Indians. I don't think that's, that's that's not much better than just Indians. It's, it's Native Americans, but um, or indigenous. Is indigenous an, an okay term to use? I indigenous think so. Yeah. Indigenous is fine. Okay. Um, not Indians though, because they're they're not from India. Shockingly. Yeah, somebody needs to tell Cleveland's baseball team, but uh, we can save that discussion for another time. I don't watch baseball. What's their team? The Indians. Oh, I could have figured. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's, this is like a good transition into that. How did you feel about the sun? I guess this is one of the uses of symbolism that 
I always felt was apparent. I never minded how apparent it was. His like obsession with Native American attire and just like that kind of being a visual cue to just colonization within Korea and then just the cultural appropriation itself within higher class and kind of coming into their fascination with Western cultures. And I, I the one thing I did notice this rewatch was the first time we meet the Parker son, he is dressed up in like his outfit and he goes and he's in the background. And he goes to the housekeeper at the time and he has an ax in his hand and he like pretends to kill her and like chop her. He's like, ah, 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 ah. And that's pretty much the ending of the movie. It's just everyone mm. dressed up like that and getting stabbed that. like that. So that's one thing I did notice. But yeah, I don't know. So he is precognizant. Yeah, he actually he's responsible for this whole thing. He is Jason Bateman. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so what did you think about that? Especially with the discussion of class, how did you think that kind of came in? His obsession with dressing up that way. Even to the point where at the end, the father makes the driver dress up like that. And he's like, come on, do this. I just wonder like how that would hit for Korean audiences. Because in the US, like I think most people have a general understanding of like the history of native americans but i wonder how much your average korean knows about that because i mean we're bad at teaching history in america but i don't know any korean history so i don't know if they know like what they know of our history on like a basic like general broad level so i i wonder if like they understand like the culture that's being appropriated there does that hit or or maybe it's just there for american audiences because there's a, there's a surprising amount of lines said in english in this movie Over. i wonder if that's like there for american audiences but if it is i don't know what it's saying i, I don't know i read into it as his kind of his fascination with it because the american dream is something that I think is displayed in this film. And I don't know if it's just because I've watched footage afterwards and seen the director and everybody talk about it and how he wanted to portray, like, the American dream as a lie and as this kind of falsehood that people are told to kind of keep them going on their 9 to 5 and fueling the machine. And I felt like the son... Like, the two sons were supposed to be in contrast of that. Like, the young son at the Mm. parks, like, loved the most like american thing like which i don't know i'm not korean but like if i was to think like i'm not in america and i was to look at like the western culture and like what is the most american thing ever it's like native american and he just kind of wears the most stereotypical things and does the most stereotypical actions that he's probably seen portrayed of these stereotypes of native americans through media or whatever and that was one way of portraying the American dream because he doesn't really have to work for anything because he's kind of been blessed by being born into the higher society, the higher class, while the Kim son has to kind of do the rat race and has to have the plan and has to go after the American dream that way in the sense that he's going to get his family all the way up. But, like, both are a lie. Mm. I'm here for that reading because, I mean, the way I would probably start to look at it is like is it making a commentary on genocide or colonization but i don't see that i don't see any commentary like that happening 
So I'm I'm pretty here for your reading there, David. Ditto. I, I don't have anything to add to that. But he he's still he couldn't get the name. He called them Indians. He didn't get the name right. He was so obsessed with that, but he still called them by the wrong name. I mean, it's also it a translation. Totally it might be a translation issue there too. So you said it was intentional. I think so. Because I think it's supposed to show the ignorance of, like, the upper class and just the Park family in general and, like, what they're about. Like, people and all of this, like, it's just toys to them. Like, whether you're the kid and you can run around and play dress-up or you're the adult who can also run around and play dress-up, i.e. putting on the driver's trashy panties. Like, and people and everything is expendable. I was going to say, the mom is pretty dumb enough for the whole family, to be honest. Yeah, like they're. I think they're they're written to be that kind of like ignorant, rude, rich kind of people that just go around and they just say things that are just like they don't even know that are bad. Yeah, they're not. They're not necessarily malicious with it, unless it's the smell thing. Right. Well, there's um, also like when the Kims talk about the parks, they they do comment on they're nice but kind of dumb. And mm-hmm. like they're not they're not hateful toward the parks, at least in the one conversation when they're all drinking. But there is that, you know, line that's been talked about a lot. She's nice because she's rich, which is, you know, mm-hmm. pretty on the nose, but still pretty relevant, I think. Yeah, and even when the one friend comes in the beginning to give the son the job, he's like he talks about the family and he's like, They're playing, she's playing, and they're simple. And it's like mm-hmm. everyone in this film, and I think it's one of my favorite things about the film, no one's written really in a favorable angle. They all, not malicious, but they're all looking out for themselves. That's what I was yeah, saying. Yeah, Jelani was saying, yeah. like, morally gray. I think that was a good term to yeah, use. Yeah, exactly. They, and that's why I'm going to, we can just get into it now, but, like, my last question was, who is the parasite slash, you know, parentheses S, parentheses parasites? Because I think everyone, mm-hmm. they display at, at least different points in the film has a parasitic point of view in the way that they're approaching their relations with each other. Yep. That, that makes perfect sense. Everybody's the parasite. Especially Jason Bateman. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Especially, what a parasite that Jason Bateman. <laughs> I think there's, yeah, you can, you can see it from all the angles, I think, because you could say that the poor characters are parasites of the rich because they're kind of like you know i think of it as like it's always a parasite host relationship where like yeah i thought that was much more clear terms it's Mm -hmm. like the parasite feeds off of the host and relies on it to live but doesn't give anything back and sometimes is like actively hurting the host so i don't know if there's any relationship that in like that scientific sense can be called parasitic in this, because the, the Kims are, like, you know, they're duping the parks, but they are providing a service. And, like... It's more symbiotic. Yeah. So you're saying it should have been called symbiotes. I mean, it might have been more accurate, but I don't think we would be talking about the title the way we are if it was called that. Yeah, it probably people probably just think it's Venom or something. <laughs> yeah, probably. They lie their way in. But they do, like, they all do their jobs perfectly fine, it seems. So mm-hmm. they're providing a service and getting paid. That's just a standard job. But the way they got in was, I like, mean, getting rid of... I mean, that's very blasé. They're fully lying. They, like, fully set this girl, this old woman's 
like allergies there's a whole plan yeah they like borderline not like blackmail but fully just they just like set her up completely like with the squirting of the blood the way they went it's very calculated it's extreme like, and it's calculated but who hasn't lied in some way to get a job pretty much everyone's done that i mean sure but i don't think everyone has had like a long form scheme infiltrated <laughs> or really like high up family and got their whole family to work at different like re like areas for that family through like aggressive means such as like finding someone's allergies and exploiting them or i was manipulating yeah. an image in the trash to make it be one thing that it's not or taking off their underwear and like blackmailing a previous driver or like just like it's just so much further I, and, like i think that one that angle is like they're the parasite and then there's also the angle of the former housekeeper and her husband who are fully living off their nutrients without them knowing and that's the direct parasite kind of definition but the the housekeeper does say there that she does not take like for for the husband her husband she doesn't take more than she earns for him so yeah, she says in she that sense, she's like she again. She's providing yeah, a but service. She's the one who engages being... them to just be lying. Like I don't think she's a reliable narrator. She hides her husband at the bottom of her employer's house. I don't think she's supposed to be trusted. It, yeah, in either case, like... though, like maybe she's getting a little bit more than she's earning, or maybe even a lot. But she's at the end of the day, there is a service being provided and payment that is being given. So to me, that is not parasitic. It may not be balanced. But it's not parasitic because parasite to me implies that one half of that equation is giving nothing. It's and like somebody living, asking to stay on your couch for a couple of days and then staying for like months without paying rent or anything. Yes, that would be a parasitic relationship to, to me. I thought this was going to be a liar revealed, liar revealed story. And then I was thinking like, this guy doesn't oh, no. I think they're all kind of parasitic. All like I think the one who's the most like impressionistic and like symbolic in that way is definitely the rich and how they interact with everybody because they interact with people at their expense but i the the housekeeper and just fully robbing the family to feed her husband who lives underneath them without them knowing like i feel like that's like pretty direct and the the other one with the main family i feel like is pretty not direct, but as a pretty obvious, like, thematic way of looking at a parasite and how they're just kind of like a virus breaching it and spreading. I still wouldn't call the housekeeper, like, fully parasitic, but I see where you're coming from. What, what, what are we going to call this movie? I, I, I think it's a good title. Carnage. <laughs> I, I just don't know if it, like, if any of them fully qualify as a parasite, in, in my view. If people disagree, that's okay. I see both. I see both points. What I was kind of looking for when I saw this topic was like, do the rich profit off of the poor in that way? This is kind of my own politics coming into it a little. I think that happens in real life a lot with like, oh yeah, some rich people like companies, exploiting, yeah, exploiting the work of a lot of poor people and profiting off of their labor. I don't see that at work in this movie though i think it is a like if if it were there like that's you know me projecting my own politics onto it but i think that would be like part of class commentary it could go into but i, I don't think it actually does textually at least not i mean it's I not see. mentioned but it could be implied because the father owns 
a really well-known company, popular, famous, whatever, successful company. McDonald's. Okay, I didn't. It, it said A B. He owns did, McDonald's. I don't think it was McDonald's, David. Taco Bell. <laughs> I don't think it was food. Hallmark. Oh God. <laughs> I think it's a it's a fair assumption. It's just not really textually supported, but I I'm I wouldn't yeah, be no. surprised if it was true. It just they don't really dive into that. Mm-mm. It's briefly glossed over. You own a. It was when Mr. Uh, yeah, Mr. Kim was talking to him in the in the car about you're stressed. You're a father. You're alone. You you run a company. It's like, huh? CEO. He makes fun of not makes fun of. He makes a lot of money off of his poor poor employees. I didn't think that in the moment. I'm thinking that now though. It's not McDonald's, David. Burger King. Okay, god damn it. Anything else with that? No, that's everything for me. I'm straight. So, yeah, my my last topic was just... It's not really a topic. I just really appreciate that this has struck a great balance between being accessible and artsy. Not the only movie to do it, but I think in, like, the public eye, it's a good recent example of... It won Best Picture. It got the awards. It's number one on Letterboxd. And I think it's, what is it, number 35 on IMDb. So those are both really high rankings. So obviously it hits with audiences and critics and is like, you know, we've barely unpacked. I mean, we spent a long time unpacking it and unpacked a lot. But like we said, there's a lot that we missed. So clearly there's depth to this. But it's also really entertaining. And, you know, you can dig into symbols all day if you want. But I don't think you have to to enjoy this and that i think is the mark of like a really great movie um like all of my favorites i feel like check those boxes like amelie inception v for vendetta social network even tenet well tenet's not super accessible because it's really hard to follow i hope that's the case when i eventually watch all those movies again evan well again for exception i haven't seen any of those others you listed yeah, I don't know how much you'll like each of them, but like I want to like make stuff like that and I I hope that people recognize that you don't have to choose but like it's a spectrum, but I feel like people often treat it as a binary of like we need to be commercial so that means we can't be artsy. But there's a lot of examples of stuff that does both and it's like all of the most famous movies. Like even just like take recent hits, Get Out I think falls pretty close to the middle of that spectrum. So these are breaking Greenberg's principle of popcorn or or art house. Yeah, I think in my class he called them health food and junk food movies, but yes. That too. I think I remember coming back with Chris Nolan's A Vegetable Pizza in that uh, allegory where it's healthy and it's uh, a little bit junky. That's gross. I don't like that. Actually, no, there's one I like. Maybe this is just me, but I think a lot of people have this taste of, like, I think we all just like stuff that's in the middle. You can go super artsy and do Charlie Kaufman or uh, who's someone else like that. Like, I don't know, Boyhood feels like it... Boyhood, I think, wants to be in the middle, but it falls way more on the artsy side. Maybe Paul Thomas Anderson, I think, is he he's a little too artsy for me personally. I know a lot of people like him. Yeah, you have that on one end of the spectrum and then like the entire MCU Disney remakes on the Where does Logan end. fall? 
Yeah, I think Logan that's would be highly close praised. to middle. Okay, I was going to say. Yeah, Logan Spider-Verse, I think, is another one that's like Ooh. probably a little more on the commercial Ooh. side, but definitely pretty close to the middle of that spectrum. Like, all the most well-liked movies of any time, I think most of them fall into that category. Like, the ones that stick around, anyway. They're not the super art house ones that no one can understand, and they're not the ones that make a billion dollars. Sometimes. Did we have anything else we wanted to say? David, you ran through all your topics? Yep, I'm good. Alright, we'll move to the boilerplate then. Our next episode's gonna be Shrek 2, uh, currently on Netflix. At the very least, go listen to the soundtrack, because it slaps super hard, and we will be talking about it. Uh, you can check out our YouTube channel. We have our Patreon for $1 a month. Our merchandise is on Zazzle. Our logo is by Kelsey Hendry. The show is on Twitter at intanalysis18. I am on Twitter at ev underscore wes. Where are both of you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jelani T. Kelly. Instagram at Jelani T. Kelly. YouTube based Phoenix. I've been on my skits. I'm supposed to do another one this weekend, but I don't know what I'm going to do. Look out for Parasite to Parasites. Electric Boogaloo coming to a theater near you. Woo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send it there. David, can we find you in the basement under the park's house? You can. I love that you know I was gonna go there. I wasn't gonna go directly there, but I was gonna say I'm in the I'm, I'm in the basement of some really rich person's house. We should try to find that for for all the movies since you don't do your social handles. You're always gonna be at somewhere in the movie we cover. Yeah, I'm definitely in that basement. I'm definitely in that crawl space. I'm waiting for my time. I'm, I I want to find somewhere really fun for Shrek Two for you to be. Off the top of um, my head, it's the Onion Carriage, but you'll never know. I was gonna say far, far away. You can find me really far, far away. In that potion room. Did that room have a name? Probably just the potion room. I think that's exactly what Shrek called it. I mean, Probably. Shrek doesn't need to call it anything else. He's like tearing down the genre, so it makes sense. Does anyone have a closing pun? Don't don't make a plan, because <clears throat> uh, the best plan is no plan. So buy me drugs. <laughs> that this, none of those were puns. You were just listing. I don't uh, know. I'm trying for something here. Class. What is do you call dismissed. when you got when you're like waiting at the airport and some it's like two people you haven't seen in a while and you're like ah, your sight for sore eyes, your parasites. Gang, gang. All right. We'll see you guys next time. That physically hurt me.